It's always a question when the preacher comes up. Do I leave him stand or let him sit? So normally leave him stand, but we're going to be continuing uh, in church membership. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> I'm reminded, after singing some of those songs, the Bible says, and boy, Christians like to go there, but we like to go there when it doesn't mean anything or when it means everything. <laughs> and the verse that says, that Bible says, I will not give you more than you can bear. And we think that means in our strength. And that's not what that means. I think that must be combined, and I don't mean this glibly at all, but it must be combined in Philippians 4.13 and, and several other rich verses in the book of Philippians that promise God's strength to us and God's help to us. Um, because uh, if you're honest with life, there's stuff that happens and it, it feels like way more than we can bear. And uh, I think God promises us strength for each day. He doesn't always promise us a rich amount of it, but enough to survive the evil of the day. Amen. And sometimes it feels that way, but anyways. Church membership. I'm just telling you right now, I am um, just today through various things, various events that have happened today. I am so thankful to see fellow church members today. Uh, it is a blessing uh, to see you all here. It's an encouragement. It's a great encouragement. Uh, so, and I know we need it more. So tonight we're going to look at church membership is a commitment. It's a commitment. Um, in other words, church membership isn't just a spot where you can warm a pew. That's, that's not what church membership is. And I, I know Hopefully everyone already knows this, but we're going to look at it scripturally anyways. Here's the idea. Um, I don't know if I could even look. Maybe this is maybe, a, maybe an overstatement. I Probably not, but church membership is a lot like a marriage. Uh, you must commit to work for the good of the marriage. And it takes work. I'm just telling you, humans are humans, and sometimes even a good marriage... Has, is something that needs work and effort and toil and hardship and rocky times and all that other stuff. And uh, it, takes to, it takes someone who's committed. And church membership is exactly the same. Church membership, someone who's, it, it takes someone who's willing to invest themselves beyond and above measure. Amen. Beyond and above measure into the body that they have joined. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> for, we can go to, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians a lot because you know he talks much about church membership there so. <clears throat> but, so first of all first of all we're going to look at one, two, three, four, four things doesn't sound like a lot so if we can work through this can you all, if you all can listen fast and understand we get through in a hurry right okay <clears throat> tell you what I might do is I might hand out some of these verses and have you all read them here and there uh, so I'm going to read one out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I need someone to take 2 Corinthians 5. So who'll take, okay, Brother Craig, you need, I'm, you're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. 
Okay? But we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 3, if you're working through that. So this is, membership requires a commitment to faithful service. Faithful service. 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to be reading several verses down. So we're going to start in verse 9, then we're going to go to 10, then we're going to go to 13. So, for we are laborers, what's the next word there if you're looking at it? Together. We are laborers together with God. And then he says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. Each of us are committed, even in the believing life, but also here in this church life, that we are laborers together and we are building something. And what are you contributing? And that's a very good, direct question to ask. What are you contributing by your Christian life? What are you contributing by your church life? We are laborers together with God. I mean, that's, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some commitment. Uh, now let's read that 2 Corinthians chapter 5 passage, Brother Craig. Amen. Now, again, I, a lot of this is a lot of this is personal, but Paul uses a group context. Wherefore, what we labor, and he's not just referencing himself. He doesn't say I labor. We labor as believers that we may be accepted, and for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's again referencing the Christian life as a work of labor, and church membership is a extremely dominant, preeminent part of a Christian's life. Uh, and it's going to take faithful effort and labor uh, on your part. Now for some, you know, what, what kind of labor is there in a church? There's tons. There is tons. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it, it might be time again. Uh, I, I think it was, man, was it last year, Miss Naomi, that we, passed, that we sent out the little prayer sheets for people to pray? Okay, it's probably time to do that again. So there, we need people who will be prayer warriors. I, I, I do not in the least discount prayer. As a matter of fact, I am, I'm even looking at our service time and, and trying to determine when we can actually come up with a better corporate time of prayer as a body. Because that's evident in the New Testament, that the church met and prayed together. And uh, I think the reason many people have, turned to, have begun to steer away from us is because we switched from prayer time to prayer request time. Does that make sense? And so instead of actually praying, we got to, it turned into more of a, let's talk about all the bad things that are happening to me, instead of actually getting down to the work of prayer. Um, and there's nothing wrong with sharing our hard t- hardships and hard times. But I am in my mind considering that there needs to be a time of corporate worship. That's what they did in the New Testament. Corporate prayer. That's what they did in the New Testament. And those things are going to take labor. I'm telling you, we, I... I I beg for people to pray for me. Uh, and I'm, it's one of the greatest things to hear is uh, I heard from uh, one of our, one of our uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say, one of the more uh, senior members of our population. <laughs> that still could be, well, whatever it is, you get the picture, uh, who told me they were praying for me today. I'm telling you, that is a, that's a blessing. I get other preachers telling me, that, you know, that's cool. I get a text from a few preachers about once a week telling me they're praying for me, and that is a blessing. I enjoy it. 
But when you get to hear from a member, that's somehow there's a little extra there because they know me a little better than some of those preachers do. So uh, appreciate that. And I, guess what? Everyone else here wants to have the same thing. So prayer. Uh, we have to have, you know, now we got this you know, extra sanitization process. And I'm going to just tell you, uh, Brother Harris does a lot of that himself. So we go through and clean, and then Brother Harris goes through and does all the sanitization of all the surface. That's kind of interesting. We sanitize all the surfaces, but COVID gets spread through the air. But anyways, um, <clears throat> who knows? But anyways, so we, we do all that stuff. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. There has to be someone who will work in the kitchen. There has to be some. There, and if we ever get back to normal services, there have to be people that do things. There have to be people that labor over there and labor over there and labor up there, labor right here. And I'm telling you, it ought to be, it ought to, you ought to be laboring down there in the middle of that process too, listening, worshiping, thinking, uh, not just hearing, but thinking. Amen. A commitment to faithful service. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. So number two. So who can look up 1 Corinthians 16? Brother Harris, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. And we're going to be going to Acts 11. So this is a commitment to, everybody hates this, it's money. But it's liberal support, okay? Liberal support. In Acts chapter 11, okay, Paul is interacting with a group of believers and, and he tells them about a need. And it says in Acts chapter 11, verse 29, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability... Now notice that. Every man, every man in, in the membership, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren. And of course it says, which also they did and sent it unto the elders. Okay? What, what is that? The whole church got together, found out about a need that was there, and everyone got involved. Well, I just can't give that much. That's great. It says right there, according to your ability. Well, you know, I, I would, it would seem like a, it would seem a shame. Let me tell you, 50 cents is 50 cents. No matter how you cut it. A buck is a buck. Five bucks is five bucks. I don't ever tell my kids that what they're getting is too little. I'd rather, I'd rather them, and all my kids so far, because, you know, they look at five bucks and they look at what they're given and they kind of get an idea what mom and dad are giving and they end up giving more than they should for a little bit. And then they all get jobs and they say, what was that tithe again? 10%? You know? The government's taking out all this stuff, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just saying. It's interesting. It's, there's nothing wrong with teaching our kids if it's a penny or two. Put something in the pot. When there's a need, put something in. When there's a need, well, I just can't give that much. It, it, it's not about how much. It never has been about how much. It's been about all of us together working towards the common goal. Amen. In this case was a need for another church, another, another group of believers, which we do much of that through missions. And there's other times, I'm, I'll tell you, I believe that we're going to be called upon uh, probably, and I just firmly believe it because of this wonderful parentheses in history that we've had in the United States, that at some point we're going to be called upon again to, to gather together as a group of believers and gather up money because there's another church we know of that hasn't got any. And their, their, and their fellow members are, are dying because of lack of food and stuff. I'm telling you, we'd want to be involved in helping that out. I think one of those days that will come again. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, brother, one in, verse 1 and 2.
Amen. And this is, again, referencing to, if if I'm I'm pretty sure this is referencing a missions endeavor, or at least an endeavor for for another group. But again, what is it talking about? Every, Every one of you being involved in the collection that happens once a week. Do we do a collection once a week? Yeah, we do. Now, we have these wonderful various realms of way of doing that now, but we have a collection once a week, and here we go. Uh, Every one of you be involved. If you're a member of this church, you should be giving. So, uh, one of the pastoral philosophies that has been passed on to me, and I tend to agree with it, is if, if we have someone, a member of the church, who has not given and is not giving, and has a means of income, and then they have a need and they request it upon the church, I am first going to be talking to them about giving. That's where we're first going to go. Uh, do you understand that? Because it must be a good steward, and part of being a good steward is, is doing properly by the church. It's amazing how many people want something out of the church and none of them are willing to invest in. This is not a bank. This is not an entertainment center. Amen. This is a group of people together that have joined together, that are, are working together, serving together. I mean, that's what a church is. If, if we lose the building, it doesn't take away our, all of that. If we lose whatever it is that government may or may not take away in the future, it can't stop us from being a church and, and doing all these things. So if you're going to be here, get, get invested. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, um, you all know this one, God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. Well, I just don't like it. I just feel like I'm giving way too much. Well, give, God loveth a cheerful giver. For some people, maybe they need to be give, Maybe they are giving too much. I do think, I have had conversations where people are giving way, way above whatever God even mentioned in the Scripture, and they're mad about it. And then I look at them and say, you're the one choosing to give that much. Why are you mad about it? I mean, seriously. Lower your, well, that would be your, you know, you know there are times, can I just say it? There are times when what you give to the church needs to go down. Remember the other verse we just read? According to his ability. When your ability diminishes, so does your giving. When your ability increases, so does your giving. Amen. That's that's a common sense thing. Amen. God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. So commitment to faithful service, a commitment to liberal support. Okay, so who look up 1 Thessalonians 5 for me? 1 Thessalonians 5. Okay, Brother Darrell, 1 Thessalonians 5, you're going to be in 12, 13. We're going to go to Hebrews 13, 17. This is one I have to do because it's in here, and it is true, okay? Uh, he uses the word a commitment to loving submission, and I don't like it, but it is somewhat true. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now, I th- I'd like to go read the rest of that verse, honestly, because he only uses that little tidbit, and I like the whole verse. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. (laughs) Amen. That's, That's a good thing. So one of the things, you know, a lot of times we get upset because human leadership is faulty. Can I just tell you all something? I'm going to reveal this great truth, and I'm sure you've probably never heard it before in your whole life. Human leadership is faulty. 
There is no perfect human leadership, not even in the pastor's office. It's still human leadership. Now, hopefully, and by God's grace, he's, you know, the pastor and even, I mean, when I, I, have, I have meetings with the group, and they can tell you, the men who have been on, the, on the, the deacons and who have been trustees can tell you that there are many, many decisions that we don't walk out of that room until every man has spoken. Because I'm not the smartest guy in the room on everything, on most things. And I want to hear what they have to say. And, you know, I mean, even looking at you know, all this, all this uh, COVID stuff, I, I don't, I'm not making decisions based on, you know, some scary thing. I'm ba- based decisions on, I'm trying to do what's best for the people. I'm caring for people's souls. I mean, somewhere in here there's a balance between making sure nobody's sick and making sure that we are able to meet. And I'm just telling you, it's no fun. I don't like any of the decisions. I don't like doing it. I don't ever want to do it again. Looks like I don't really have much of a choice on that. But uh, hopefully, hopefully most men in leadership are doing that. So obey them, they'll rule of you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Um, a commitment to loving submission. So sometimes you don't agree with where leadership is going. Um, that's always going to happen. That's always going to happen. Okay? I didn't agree with everything my parents did. There are, they're, they're gone now and in heaven, so I can say this out loud. But there are many times I got whoopings for something I did not do. And I'm telling I got plenty of whoopings for stuff I did do. And I probably didn't get whoopings for stuff I probably should have. So I probably all balanced out in the end. But there were times where I got a whooping for something. I finally just said, fine, I did it, just to get the whole mess over with. I'm just telling you. But I didn't do it, and it wasn't me. But because human leadership is faulty. Ta-da! Big revelation. Humans are going to mess up. Okay, but anyways, uh, Brother Daryl, do you have First Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13? Amen. I'll just leave that right where it is. So I go back and read it again. I, I am reading a book right now that I'm going to be giving to all of our deacons and trustees uh, that has been a great help for me of late. And it's called Dangerous Calling by a man named Paul David Tripp. And he discusses this very thing very quite clearly. And I'm going to be helping our, I'm giving our men uh, this exact same book. Uh, so anyways, so a commitment to loving submission. Fourthly, we're on the last one. Can you believe it? Just shake your head like this, because I know most of you can't, but anyways. All right, so I need someone to look up 1 Corinthians 10, 21. Corinthians, Brother John, 1 Corinthians 10, 21. And I need someone to look up 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Okay, Brother Greg, okay. That's 2 Corinthians 6, 16 for you. Brother John, you're 1 Corinthians 10, 21. Okay, so this one is a rough one. Okay, this is a commitment to preserving sanctification. Or it's a commitment to seeking to be godly as a group. So I'm going to be reading you 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to this. Know ye not... Now this is interesting. Another one of these verses that I've I've had to pay attention to pronouns. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Know ye not that... Is anybody looking at it? 1 Corinthians 3, 16? Know ye not that what? What's the next pronoun? Ye. That's a plural pronoun. That's plural. Know ye not that ye, plural, are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, plural. That's amazing. 
If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple are, notice, which temple, singular, are ye, plural. Isn't that interesting? And here's Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians talking to the church at Corinth saying, you as a church are the temple of God. Keep it clean. Amen. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple are ye. Whew. That's kind of tough. That means, that means we have to care about... This is, you know what this means is we have to be... Some, I hate to use this word, but somewhat self-policing. Well, again, should we go all the way back? How many, how many Sunday nights ago did we talk through Matthew 18 and we talked about church discipline? Church discipline starts with what? It starts with personal conversations. One-on-one conversations. Those conversations have to happen. When somebody's going off on a tangent that's a member of the church, somebody needs to talk to them. Well, that needs to be the pastor. Did the pastor see it or did you see it? Then you need to have the, oh, I don't like doing that. Nobody likes doing that. You think the pastor likes doing that? I've read a couple books, okay? It's not like I've not done a little bit of work on how to have, have some of these conversations. There's a great book called Crucial Conversations that walks through some of this stuff. But I'm telling you, what we need to learn as believers is learn how to talk to people for two reasons. Number one, what was done may not be what you think was done. And it helps correct your mind. And number two, the person doing it may not have realized what they've done. Or they still need correction. We live in paradigms. We need to talk to each other. This, we need to be self-policing as a body. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 21. Who has that one? Brother John? Amen. That's pretty clear. Now, and we could carry this reference. Of course, you know, we're, we're right around those chapters dealing with some of the Lord's Supper also. But there's, there's a reason we have the Lord's Supper. There's a reason I'm not flippant with it. And I understand I perhaps do it less than some people would like. But there is a purpose. It's to make sure it's a holy, sacred thing that when we come to, it's not just, oh, we're going to have Lord's Supper again tonight. I think I've told you that all before. But you know what my memory of the Lord's Supper was? Because we had it frequently at our church. I loved it. Why? Because afterward, I got to run all over church and help pick up all the cups and take them downstairs that were used because downstairs were all the unused cups still full of grape juice and I got to down those. That was my whole memory. That was my whole memory of the Lord's Supper is I got to drink the grape juice. That was my, that was my not until we reached a church where all of a sudden it was dead serious and the preacher preached on it two or three Sundays prior and he said, listen, this is a big deal. If you've got, you got something against a brother, you need to go get it right. Don't come to the Lord's Supper and not get it right. I, and I mean, I was like, oh. And I grew up in church. And now granted, it wasn't because those pastors probably didn't teach it, but at some point, it dong, it hit me, you know. So you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. I, I mean, it is absolutely true that as a group and body of believers, we should not, we should not come here and worship the Lord and then turn right around the rest of the week and act like the devil. Live like the devil. Now, fellowship with the devil. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about the devil. Amen. Amen. 
Those two, the two can't go together. They should not go together. We need to, be, we need to commit to... Now, are all of us perfectly holy? Now, in God's eyes, we are. But in, you know, when we look at ourselves, yeah, pff, yeah, not right. But we need to commit to working at it. Amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians 6.16. Amen. Can I just tell you, sometimes, I'm, and I say this from experience, sometimes living and doing right is absolute the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. If you've not been there, I, I mean, I hope you'd never have to face it. But I'm just telling you, I, I hear, see Brother Chester back there shaking his head. There are times when doing right and living right and keep, keeping my trust in God and waking up and doing the next thing I'm supposed to do is absolutely the hardest thing you have to do. But it's worth the commitment, whether I feel like it or not. Why? Because this, this body, this group of believers, needs to be committed to preserving the idea of holiness. Not just inside this 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock hour on Sunday night but on Monday 24-7 and Tuesday 24-7. And it's why the preacher cautions you on what you listen to. And, uh, and I don't mean just music, by the way. You know, be careful who and what you're listening to, the influences that you're listening to. Is it all wicked and evil? No, it's not all wicked and evil. But there is wickedness and evil out there, and don't, be, don't for once think that it's not. If, I mean, just, let's just be serious. If, if you think that there's not a, an agenda in most movies that are out there, you're a little bit naive. Okay? If, if you think that there's not an agenda in TV shows and, and if there's not a worldly agenda or that the devil may not be influencing some of it, I think you're just, you're just naive. Okay? But knowing it can be a big help. Be aware of it. Focus on sanctification. I, my kids, one of, a simple thing, and you may disagree, that's fine. My kids used to love watching uh, the, the little cartoon series, Land Before Time. Some of you have seen it. It's you know, all the little dinosaurs, and they run all together. You know, and and uh, maybe you didn't get to watch it as a kid, whether or not you did or not. It was real simple. It would get on, and they would start off with millions of years ago, and I'd say verbally, that's a lie. Well, you know, the dinosaurs, this, and then they were all killed. Nope, that's a lie. It was the flood. It wasn't a meteor. It was the flood. You know, and I, all I did is argue with it. They're constantly getting input because there's an agenda to try to teach them that evolution is a complete fact, which it's still not. They're still, they're, they're, they've changed their mind so many times on how to prove it. It's crazy, okay? Uh, but most people out there literally think that it's a true and completely, utterly unassailable position. And so what do you have to do with your kids? You teach them from the beginning that it absolutely is an untrue and assailable position. Why? Because God's word says otherwise. Amen. So a commitment to sanctification doesn't always mean that I, that I become a sequestered... So <clears throat> were monasteries a big thing one t- at one time in our world? They were huge. Are they as big a deal now? Not really. Why is that? Because do you know what the purpose of a monastery was for? Well, the idea of a monastery was that if I completely separate myself from every worldly influence, then I have the best opportunity to be righteous. 
The problem was, is they were sequestered as a human with other humans. And guess, guess where evil comes from? <laughs> yeah, we're the ones that do it. Okay? So what they found out was, well, that didn't work. No, it didn't. It's kind of obvious. I mean, that's where you, well, I'm, I'm going to go way too far there. And somehow I think as believers, we think the same thing. Well, if I just completely cold close myself off from every possible worldly influence and, you know, don't talk to the neighbor that thinks that and don't, don't listen to those people that think that. And, and what happens is, is we shut all these doors and we make ourselves completely useless for the gospel. And we don't understand sanctification. Because we think that me shutting that down is what makes me grow holy. No, what helps me grow holy is looking at that and having its influence and continuing to grow as a believer. Amen. It's not being flailed about with every wind of doctrine because the winds are going to come. Amen. It's learning to stand as an oak tree in the midst of the storm, in the midst of all the false doctrine, in the midst of all that. That's, where, that's how I grow as a believer is by, is by being in the world but not of the world, which is exactly biblical. Amen. Amen. So, I turned, I closed that page, well, but repeat the four things one more time. Church membership is a commitment, a commitment to faithful service, a commitment to liberal support, a commitment to loving submission, and a commitment to preserving sanctification. Amen. Next week, we'll be on our, our last one, and it's a good one. Uh, church membership is a cause. Everybody likes a cause. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the day. We'd ask that you would bless 